Got questions? The Bible has answers. We'll help you find them. Welcome to the God Questions Podcast with Shay Hoodman, President of God Questions Ministries. Welcome to the God Questions Podcast. I'm Kevin Stone. I'm the managing editor of God Questions Ministries. And with me today is Dax Lewis. Dax is one of our volunteer writers for God Questions. We'll talk a little bit about his writing experience with us. And then he is also a member of law enforcement for a state agency. We'll talk a little bit about his work combating human trafficking and get some insight there as well in just a few minutes. But Dax, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. I'm so glad that you could join me today. And let's start with talking about your writing for Got Questions. You're a volunteer writer, which means you help to answer the many questions that come in to Got Questions website. You'll uh, we send you an email, and then you take that and you uh, answer the question and send that back. And uh, so, how long have you been writing for Got Questions? It's just been under three years that I've been that I've been participating. Yeah, and we really appreciate your work. How many questions do you answer per week? I I only answer one. Uh, pretty busy schedule with work and a kid still in, in high school and also doing seminary on the side. So. One takes up about as much time as I have to give. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't even know how you get it all done with a, with a schedule that you've got. But walk us through the process a little bit with answering a question. So you get an email and you know it's from Got Questions. So you say, this is my question for the week. And so I'm going to uh, oh, tell us how that happens. You go from email to formulating an answer and then getting that back to us. Sure, yeah, I get an email. Um, comes to my phone as, as most people these days do and uh, as soon as I get it as soon as I see it I try to look at the question and I want to be able to read it and then put my phone away and I kind of just try and think about it for the next day or so while I'm working you know if I'm on break or or when I'm at home in the evening I try and run that question through my mind and think about what scriptures um, do I know off the top of my head that I can bring to that question as, as part of an answer or even what's in the question or behind the question that maybe has a flawed category on how they're looking at something and sometimes just addressing the things that are in the question themselves helps clear things up mm-hmm. so once i think about it for a day or so then i get out scripture again and confirm the things that i thought probably the bible talked about in a, in a proficient and uh, a good manner i guess for the question and then i get out some commentaries study those make sure i'm i'm tracking right and then write my answer and submit it back to got questions through email and then at that point the editors at got questions will will take your answer that you've sent in and just proofread it very briefly checking for spelling and wherever else and then and then send that on to the questioner and so the loop is completed and uh, so the original questioner has an answer and i appreciate so much you mentioning the uh, the fact that you put scripture in your answer so one of the things that we always want to do at Got Questions is provide biblical answers to scriptural questions. And if the Bible doesn't, you know, directly address something, we, we try to always mention that and uh, say we can, we can give informed opinions on some things. But there is so much that the Bible does speak directly to. And uh, we always want to use scripture in our answers. Yes. Yeah. Well, there are other questions that I would like to ask about the the writing process. Uh, It's fascinating to me, but I do want to get into the other issue today that I uh, brought you on the podcast for, which is human trafficking. I guess I should ask the question, how long have you been in law enforcement? 
I've been in law enforcement. This is my 20th year. Okay, very good. And so you've probably seen a lot of stuff through the years, and I'm sure that human trafficking has been part of uh, of your uh, of what you've seen uh, yes. through those years as well. So how big of a problem is it? Um, or, well, I, let me back up because we need to define our terms. When people hear the term human trafficking, they may not even have a clear idea of, of what it is. So could you give us a quick definition of human trafficking? Sure. So human trafficking is, is forcing somebody to participate in labor or services for the profit of someone else. And that's done by fraud, force, or coercion. But what we typically think about is when people are smuggled from another country over our borders and, and come here, or the old guy in the, in the big white van that shows up and snatches people off the streets. Both of those things happen, but those are not always human trafficking, and that is not solely human trafficking. So when people are smuggled across a border, while it could be human trafficking, it's most certainly human smuggling. And smuggling is a crime against a nation's sovereignty, and trafficking is a crime against a person. So when they get smuggled over here, that's typically smuggling, like I said, but the vulnerabilities that that presents showing up in a new country and maybe having to pay somebody could translate into a trafficking situation. But your typical pimp-prostitute relationship is by definition human trafficking. Pimp is forcing the prostitute, as we typically use that term, to go provide sexual services to somebody, but the trafficker's the one that's making the money. So it's a it's a forced servitude. It's a slavery and an oppression. Modern day slavery and it involves more than just the sex trafficking too. It, it involves the uh, just you know labor uh, out people out in the labor force could be yeah absolutely and and we see that in a in a couple different ways and again it's all about vulnerabilities. So the Asian massage parlor business is another area where there's a lot of forced labor trafficking and a lot of times that turns into sex trafficking at the same time. But people are brought here to this country and maybe they don't speak the language very well. They're not given their official documents such as passports or IDs or even their their money when they get here and those are held and they have to try and work off their trip here or whatever those those traffickers lay out as their terms but then they're forced to provide massages all day or maybe in the construction company maybe you get a work crew that is some undocumented illegal aliens basically well they're here and they're working but they're probably working for substandard wages and they're being forced to work they're not even making their money they're out working to pay off their their smuggling across the border but they don't ever know when that that payment ends hmm. and i don't mean that in, in every ethnicity either you know there are people out there working of all ethnicities but when people are vulnerable from being smuggled into this country and they're not from here and they don't know people and they're not given their documents that makes them very vulnerable what would you say to somebody who says human trafficking may be a problem but only in the big cities and it doesn't affect me i'm in a more rural area suburban area and uh, i'm sure it's not in my it's not in my neighborhood what would you say to somebody who has that mindset it is more prevalent in the bigger cities, um, but it does happen in these in these smaller communities in the rural areas, and some of it's happening online. So I'll give you an example. Like there's a there's a page out there called OnlyFans, and people can pay a subs monthly subscription to basically have a peep show at these girls. So they're not even meeting these people, but they're paying a let's say they're paying a twenty five dollar a month subscription to this one person's page 
well, every so often this person puts out new videos or pictures of sexual things going on or just nude photos in general, and the person's paying for that in a subscription. The problem is, is those people are often being exploited behind the scenes. You don't see the trafficker in the video, but those people aren't doing that in so many of the instances because they want to. And so even sitting at home in, in a little town of a thousand people somewhere, you could be exploiting somebody that's being trafficked for sexual services. It may not even be physical contact, but it's electronic exploitation. Mm -hmm. So it happens everywhere. The, the market is obviously bigger and the anonymity of meeting these people in the bigger cities is, is more prevalent, but it happens. It happens everywhere. Yeah. What makes a person vulnerable? Uh, what do traffickers look for in a victim? Well, traffickers look for vulnerabilities and that's, and that's what they exploit. So you may have a, a teenager that's unhappy at home or has a terrible home life and begins seeking a relationship or friendship or some support or a fatherly figure somewhere else well traffickers gonna morph into what they need to morph into to provide that at least as, as what it appears and then once they're caught in that they're isolated control starts being exerted maybe they lose their cell phone they're not allowed to go see family and friends anymore and they're caught but any vulnerability makes a person subject to being trafficking or to being trafficked so sending a nude photo is a perfect way to start the, the process of being trafficked or at least exploited because once that photo is out there now they've got you. you you're either going to continue to send them or have to pay a ransom or they're going to try and expose you and publish it and just absolutely humiliate you my goodness well let's bring scripture to bear on this issue of human trafficking Dax, if you received a question through the Got Questions website about human trafficking, wanting to use Scripture in your answer, how would you bring Scripture into uh, the discussion? I think I would start with Genesis 127 and that the man is made in God's image. I think that is ultimately the most important thing because these people are human beings. They're not units of production, and, and they're being victimized by both sides of the equation, especially sexually. The trafficker thinks of them as a unit of production and their property. The buyer thinks of them as an object to be used and discarded. So these people are not being treated with any dignity in any of their contacts while they're in this world. So I think understanding that they are people, they're made in God's image, they're loved by others and their family, they're not to be oppressed, to be objectified, to be used. I think that's the first thing because of who they are, they have a soul, and that God created them. Luke 19.10 says that Jesus came to seek and to save those that were lost. Mm -hmm. They're lost people too. The buyers are lost. We have got to bring the gospel into conflict with this, with this world including the human trafficking world. Hearts have got to be regenerated for us to solve this problem. Mm -hmm. So those are two other things I would bring. Also, you know, Matthew 25, I think it's verses 35 to 45. And Jesus talks about, hey, if you've, if you've fed the hungry or gave a drink to the thirsty or took in a stranger, you've done that to me. Mm -hmm. So many people are disgusted by the lifestyle that a prostitute leads. You know, they're, they're often thought of as kind of just dirty, filthy. They're in need. They're victims. And we've got to look past that and take them in and love on them. I think a lot of times about the scriptures 
uh, many admonitions to help the helpless, to stand up for the, the innocent that are being exploited. And a lot of times it's framed in the Proverbs and the Psalms as you know helping the, the widow and the orphan, the marginalized, uh, forgotten, and victim, often victimized segments of society. And uh, the scripture's full of that, how God looks out for the, uh, the, those who are vulnerable. I also think of Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan and the many messages that are there, but uh, the one that uh, we have to pull out is that we need to help people in need. You can't just walk by, can't just ignore them. Yep. And uh, there's somebody who's in need, who's been victimized, doesn't matter who they are, that's my neighbor. And we must love our neighbors, Jesus taught. And so we are uh, admonished in Scripture over and over to be doing something to help the victims of crime and, and of exploitation in our world. So what is being done, Dax? And I'm talking about in law enforcement, in uh, uh, non-government organizations, nonprofits, uh, in the media, to combat human trafficking. Well, it's a great question. And, and this is a, a crime and a, a criminal enterprise even that is slowly kind of ra rose to the surface of one of the big needs of our day in law enforcement. Um, law enforcement is trying to catch up with what's been going on um, behind the scenes with the, with the prostitutes. We're trying to catch up and push training out to people so that they can see these things that most of the time these people aren't in this lifestyle because they want to be. Nobody dreamed of growing up to be a, a prostitute or a sex worker. Undoubtedly, there are people that are in it on their own volition, but the majority of them are, are, are not. And so pushing the training out, interdiction for the protection of children is one of the courses that is being taught across the nation. Um, it's, to, it's to help officers on traffic stops or when they're at a house taking a call for service to recognize indicators that somebody's being exploited or trafficked. And also to recognize people, while there may not be a trafficking situation going on, they're a high-risk threat to a child. And research that situation, maybe make contact if they don't live in your area, and pass their name on and say, hey, here's what I came up with, and I think they're a high-risk threat to children. Somebody may want to take a look at this person or this situation or try and find some of these people that he's in contact with. Maybe they're victims. So we're trying to push training out because education and understanding what's going on, because we can all see the prostitution. We see it in the movies. We see it on TV. You, you drive down some of the big cities and you see some of these people walking up and down the road that you suspect are involved in it. What you don't see is who they're taking that money back to and, and giving it back to after they've performed services. Frankly, they've been victimized. The non-governmental organizations, the non-profits, they're, they're a huge help. They're a support to law enforcement. They're a support to victims. Some of these entities, uh, Deliver Fund, for example, is a non-governmental organization that was started with some military veterans that were back, back home and decided to take their battle skills and their military skills to fight against the traffickers that are oppressing American citizens. And... Um, so they provide free intelligence resources on human trafficking situations to law enforcement, free of charge to the law enforcement entity. Uh, you've got victim service coalitions out there that are that are providing restoration houses for long-term recovery for these people uh, after they get out of the lifestyle. You've got people that will show up as crisis service providers in the, the night that the police bring them into the station to talk to them. They're there to provide food or hygiene or a, a, a motel stay or a shelter. 
So there's a lot that's being done, and the media has been picking up on on this. And there's been a lot of a lot of articles or news clips coming out in the last couple of years about major operations and rescue of children, especially um, that catches everybody's eye. But it wasn't very long ago that shows like Pimp My Ride were glamorizing the pimp, the stereotypical pimp lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And pimps, by definition, are human traffickers. They're slave masters, they're oppressors, they're victimizers, they're predators. That's not a glamorous lifestyle at all. Yeah. For those of us who are not in law enforcement, what are some of the indicators of human trafficking that we could look for? Any red flags? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, And so much of this goes on behind the scenes that the average person doesn't see a lot of these things. But a couple things I would say is, and this goes for retail clerks especially, they would have probably the best view of some of this, would be, let's say, uh, a couple people show up to, to rent a hotel room for the night. And maybe one of them's trying to actually make the transaction, but lack of eye contact, and then they don't even have their documents. Somebody else provides their credit card or their ID. When somebody's holding their documents, that's a that's a red flag that there's some control being exerted there. This, this person doesn't even have access to their most basic personal identifying documents or their personal financial capabilities with, with their cards or cash. Another thing is tattoos. These people are treated as property by the traffickers. Well, cattle owners typically brand their cattle. Traffickers are branding their trafficking victims. They're they're branding them with barcodes. And, and you and I both know that barcodes are meant for property or for products. They're, right. That's, that's how you keep track of your inventory. That's how you you know describe that this piece of property is yours. They're also getting tattoos with the trafficker's name, like on their neck or in a pretty prominent location. A lot of times you'll see a crown because the pimp is the king of that of that situation in that person's world. Um, these are forced tattoos in, in so many of the occasions. Um, those are a couple of the, the main things that people can look for that should be red flags. They don't always mean that trafficking is going on, but they're, they're red flags. Okay. If I suspect that I've met somebody who has is being trafficked, or if I see a situation that really raises some red flags in my mind, what can I do? What should I do? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, if, if you're out there and you see something going on presently, you need to call 911. We've got to get the police involved. If you see something or if you have seen something, maybe it's a few days past even, and you, you keep thinking about it, it's bugging you, it's gnawing at you, and you start, maybe you're doing some own res- your own research online of what is human trafficking or what are some indicators, and all the puzzle pieces start coming together. Call your non-emergency line for your law enforcement and, and report it. Or there's a non-governmental organization out there called Polaris. They run the National Human Trafficking Hotline. You can reach out to them by text or email or or phone call and report it. And they have a list of people that have been put on the list for each state or jurisdiction that they can pass that information to. And Polaris's phone number is one 888 373-7888. And that is a national hotline for Polaris. That is. You know, one other thing I would say is the citizens and the police should work well together. If you're a citizen out there, you ought to be making some relationships with your local law enforcement. You ought to eventually develop a relationship with one of them that you feel you can trust on a personal level that you would feel comfortable sharing information with. 
really that is that's crucial in my opinion you know if you're if you want to share something that you're not really sure if it is what you think but you're concerned and you want to report it you're going to feel better reporting that to somebody that's going to take you serious than just calling some number and talking to an anonymous person on the other end of a phone yeah makes sense uh, dax you and i both have children and uh, teenage children and uh, what can we do to help protect them what preventative measures can we take to uh, help protect our kids from human traffickers I would say first and foremost as dads, we've got to be dads. And we've got to step in and fill what so many kids fill a void in is when they were fatherless or had a, a father that was there but was never present really in their life. Um, so many people are out there seeking to find that father figure in their life. So just being there as a father, first of all, helps mitigate some of the vulnerabilities of seeking male attention. Because it's pretty easy to seek male attention if you know what you're doing. But if you've been brought up as a kid that's confident and knows that your dad loves you and cares about you, that's the standard that they see of what a guy should treat them as. You know, social media and cell phones, they're great. But they present a lot of a lot of traps and snares out there that these kids can step into. You know, if they send a nude photo to somebody, even if it's even if it's a boyfriend or girlfriend to start with, or it could even be a stranger, that's out there and that's there forever. And um, they can make your life miserable if they want to publish it. And if they want to play a wicked game, all they've got to do is tell you they're going to and demand more or else. So have honest conversations with your kids. Talk about the things that. Um, are going on in their life and their social media ask them if they've been hit up for for nude photos or videos things like that try and mitigate anywhere that you see that could be a vulnerability mm -hmm. because that traffickers exploit vulnerabilities mm -hmm. and what is that one more time what is that uh, hotline that national hotline for polaris it's 1-888-373-7888 thank you and I think that is, unfortunately, all the time that we have for today's podcast. But uh, it's been great to talk about this issue and That's been good. very important one. I'm Kevin Stone with Got Questions Ministries. And with me today has been Dax Lewis. He's one of our volunteer writers for Got Questions. Uh, he's a member of law enforcement for a statewide agency. He's also a man with a heart for the victims of human trafficking. Dax, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast today. Again, honored to do so. Thank you. This has been the Got Questions podcast. Got questions? The Bible has answers. We'll find them for you. Your questions, biblical answers. The Got Questions podcast. Check us out at podcast.gotquestions.org.